How many's ready for the word today? I know, I am ready too. Well, I have to be honest with you. I know an advertisement, or as Denise's culture might say it, advertisements. I don't know if I said it right, advertisements. But um, uh, advertisement went out that I'd be starting a new series, Where's God? And I do have that series, and it will be coming. But how many know we have to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance when it comes to the Word of God? And I've had the uh, messages that I've been preparing for quite a few weeks and still kind of working out. And God spoke to me yesterday, I want you to start this series. And uh, I was praying one day, just walking and praying in my home, and I heard the Lord say in my spirit, what in the world? And I was like, yeah, God, what in the world is going on? And then the Lord just said, no, I want you to talk about some things that's going on in the world today. And those of you who this is your home church, you know I don't bring a lot of what goes on in the world into the church, but I believe that the church has a voice for biblical principles and that there are the Bible principles that are being challenged in the world system today. And so um, I want to pastor you through those things. Is that okay? I want to take you through the word of God. I want to show you what the word of God says on some things that the church culture is being challenged against the world culture. How many know the world should not be telling the church what we should be and doing? The world sets the pace for the kingdom of God, or the church sets the pace for the world, amen? So my first message this morning, and, and um, I just want you to hear with spiritual ears, and I want to, again, I just want to take you through the word of God and pastor some of these things, but my title this morning is called God Forms Life. God forms life, and this isn't a message that I just want to get a lot of shouts from and praise gods and all those kind of things because I know our churches, we are diverse in our, I believe, our belief system politically, and I love that because that means we have a diverse body of Christ, and that's what the church should look like, amen? We should not all be um, from one, one tribe, one race. We all should come together as the body of Christ, and heaven's going to be that way, so we might as well get used to it now you know, and, and learn to love each other in Christ Jesus and put the other things behind us. And so, but um, when it comes to life, and I know in June of 2022, I hope this has a new battery. Did it, Titus? Okay. Um, in June of, of this year, we know that there was the turnover of Roe versus Wade. And it was the, the sound heard around the world, you know, and there was so many, like, uh, the church obviously shouted and celebrated, and then the world was confused and didn't understand, and I think even church people were, were confused and maybe didn't fully understand how to embrace what the Bible says, because we have people that we know and love um, that probably have had an abortion, um, and, and statistically, we probably have women in this room that probably have had an abortion or know someone or be connected in some way, and so as I stand here as a pastor, I stand here as just saying God's grace and love covers everything. If we're talking about abortion, if we're talking about addiction, if we're talking about fornication or adultery, all of God's grace and his blood was shed for everything. The reason why we have to hone in on this issue is because we are in a spiritual battle right now, a kingdom against kingdom, kingdom of heaven against kingdom of hell. And I would not be a good pastor to you if I didn't teach you what the word of God says and teach you the principles of the kingdom so that, one, you can understand and have all truth. How many want to have all truth? 
Amen. We want to have all truth. What's happened in our life in the last, is it 40 or 50 years since um, abortion has been allowed in America? I think it's been 50 years. So most of us have been raised in the culture where the freedom of choice to, to have abortion. But it was never in God's design for us to have that freedom of choice. So I want to take you through the word where actually it is God who forms in the womb. It is God the creator, amen? And so because of that, we've grown up with that philosophy of thinking. If you send your kids off to the university or college, within the first week, their faith is going to be challenged on every level. So the worldly philosophy in college would, would teach just the opposite. Um, and even in, in the political realm. So what I want to do today as your pastor, and I, I just ask that you have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. Um, last week I talked, I think, or two weeks ago about filters. Remember I talked about the filters that we filter information through? I think we need to take off some filters and say, you know what, Holy Spirit, I'm willing to hear all truth. I want to hear what the Word of God has to say. I'm only here to show you what the Word says. You know, I'm not trying to change your mind in anything else, but I will fight for the Word of God. I will come out with my dukes out when it comes to the word of God because that's the final authority and that's the truth, amen. And that's what the church of Jesus Christ, we have to go back to fighting for what the word of God says. And I want to show you where the enemy is getting louder and louder and louder, the agenda of the world and the enemy and the church is getting quieter, quieter, quieter. And you know why? It's because I don't think we really know the answers. I think we have compassion and we have love for people, but it's time for us to know the truth, amen. So I'm going to ask you if you just undo some of those thinking today and, and hear what the Spirit has to say and just say, Holy Spirit, teach me something and show me something, amen? And then I'll let us wrestle with the Holy Spirit as he gives us this truth, okay? And, and I, want, I want you to know that as I minister today, we're going to be ministering um, to women that have been in this situation. We want to minister to people who have been maybe attached to the situation with abortion because we carry certain things that I believe God wants to set you free from. So let's just look at this thing this morning. I believe God formed life. Christians have a call to stand for life. And why? Because God formed life. Not man, God formed life. So our, our foundational scripture this morning is this, Jeremiah 1.5. And then we're going to go into some things um, that I think will bless you today. This is God speaking. Before I formed you in the womb, who formed the baby? God formed the baby. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. We have to understand that before life is conceived inside of women, that God already foreknew that child. He foreknew you in the womb. He knew his plans for you. He knew you by your name. And he says, I'm the one who formed you. It's a beautiful creation of God that man would maybe try to manufacture, but they can't give life the way that God gives life in the womb. No matter how hard they try, they'll never be able to accomplish that. Before I formed you in the womb, I I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. How many are so glad that you are here today and that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? 
Amen. So I want to look at, um, we're going to go back to the Old Testament a little bit, and I want to show you where um, child sacrifice became um, into the world, and it is spiritual. And I know we think, well, abortion isn't child sacrifice because it's something that's always been in our world, and it's become normal, and it's something that has been allowed. But we have to understand the time that we're living in is not natural times. We are living in very spiritual, critical times. What's going on in the world today is not about all of this out here. And matter of fact, when we talk about life, it is not a political issue. We have to separate that. It's become a political issue, but it's not. It's a biblical issue. So we have to put politics aside as I share um, this message this morning because it's not about that. It's about the spiritual principle that the devil is coming for everything that God loves. Everything that God created, remember, the devil hates. And what does he come to do? He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But God says, I have come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. He is the author of life, which is a beautiful thing. But the devil hates everything that God loves, and God loves the children. I, that scripture verse that says, if you touch one of them, He's talking about the children. It's better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the sea than to harm one of them. God loves his babies. He says, suffer the children to come unto me. There's a spiritual generation that the devil's trying to kill. And I believe that's why God lifted this, turned this Roe v. Wade over. Because before, and Pastor Paul and our pastors and elders, we were talking beforehand, that before there's a great move of God, the devil tries to come and steal a generation. It happened with Moses. God was called that little baby before Moses was even born. We know him as the great Moses. But before he was ever born, God knew that he was going to raise him up to lead his children out of captivity and from slavery into the land of promise. Amen. But they, they tried to kill a generation. But a mama took that baby Moses and hid it in a, in a basket. And, and God spared that Moses. What is the devil trying to do? He's trying to steal a generation of prophets, apostles, pastors with a voice of God that he has healing in their hands. The devil always brings death and destruction, and God brings life. When Jesus was born, what happened? King Herod said, I'm going to kill all the babies, at least two and under, because then I can catch Jesus so that he won't be the savior of the world. Do you think that was really King Herod? Or do you think maybe that was a demonic assignment even all those years ago? To try to take away a generation before there's a rescuing and a revival and a movement. Next week, I'm going to talk about the jo um, uh, Joel and how there's, the church is coming into the greatest movement and awakening that we've ever seen. And that's why the devil is wrestling, wrestling feathers in every area that he can to divide the church instead of coming together in the word of God. And so I want to share with this. We're going to go to Jeremiah 32, 35. And let's just look at scripture and what happened. King Solomon was raised up by God. He was following the plans and the will of God, and then he got into disobedience. He began to worship other idols and Baal, and he began to allow Baal worship instead of worshiping God. And he raised up this God called Molech, say Molech. Molech was an idol, and it would burn fire. And what they would do is, as worship, they would take their children, and they would throw their children into the fire as a sacrifice to this, this Molech God. See, the devil's always going after the children. And so Jeremiah comes in 32, 35, and it says, They built high places for Baal in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to sacrifice their sons and daughters to Molech. 
though I never commanded, nor did it enter my mind that they should do such a detestable thing and so make Judah sin. See, the only God that should be worshipped is the great I am. Amen? So they begin to worship this Moloch God. Let's go on in Leviticus and let's see what scripture says there. Say to the Israelites, any Israelite or foreigner residing in Israel. Do I need to change microphones? Should I do the handheld or am I okay? Testing. There we go. Okay. Let's keep going again. Say to the Israelites, any Israelite or any foreigner residing in Israel who sacrifices any of his children to Molech will be put to death. Now remember, this is the old covenant. We are in grace, but God is showing his heart towards the children. The members of the community are to stone him. I myself will set my face against him and will cut him off from his people. For by sacrificing his children to Molech, he has defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name. If the members of the community close their eyes when that man sacrifices one of his children to Molech, and if they fail to put him to death, I myself will set my face against him and his family and will cut them off from their people together with all who follow him and prostituting themselves to Molech. So as they begin to sacrifice these children to Molech, God's saying, I can't bless my nation when you aren't honoring me. Amen? I can't bless idol worship or the children being sacrificed. God says, I'm going to turn my face from them. Now, in our nation, God doesn't want to turn his face from our nation. That's why he says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven. And, and we'll learn in Joel that the first sign of revival is a repentance. So God is calling to repentance of the sins and whatever it is. But in this particular instant, we're talking about child sacrifice. Let's look at Leviticus 18.21. Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, for you must not profane the name of the Lord, of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. What does the devil want? He wants worship. He wants to be like God, and he will do it in our music. He does it in our movies, but he will also do it in the life that God put in woman to produce the next generation of revivalists and a move and whatever their call of God is on their life. He will try to destroy life because he hates life. Now, I want to look at this because when you look at the idol Molech, uh, and it's also called Molech, um, put that one up there. I want to describe to you what Molech means. Molech was a dark figure in the Old Testament, and it was a Canaan idol. If you study the word Molech, it means king. It comes from the word Melech, king. If you look at the vowels of Molech, it's Boshet, and that turns to king shame. What does the devil want to do to women? And it's not talked about. It's not talked about in the world. And it's not talked about in the church. And you know why? Because we're afraid of the topic. We're afraid to hurt. We're afraid to tell truth. But in reality, when a woman gives over in that area, the king of shame comes and it puts them in shame. It puts them in fear. It imprisons them instead of forgiving themselves and, and saying, God, this is given unto you. It puts women in shame. And we need to let women know and you need to let the future generation know that God sets them free. That God can heal them. God can restore them. God can give them their joy 
and come out of that shame. But what they don't tell you is that when you do do that, the enemy comes with shame with women. There are women that I have ministered to 40 years later, and they're still carrying the shame from not telling anyone by walking into a clinic and aborting their baby. Because it's intrinsically in us to know that there is life on the inside of us. But the devil wants to steal steal that truth from the church. But see, we need to know the truth, one for ourselves, but we also need to know how to answer the world and what is the world's truth that they need to know. Otherwise, they're just going to think the church is horrible and we have no hope for them and no love for them and my body, my choice. And in reality, when it comes to life, it is not our choice. That is God's creation. When it comes to biblical principles, as Christians, we live by biblical principles, not by our own truth and our own feeling. Amen. So what happens? There's that king of shame that comes on a woman's heart. That's why we want, I want, one of my friends has a, a, a bus that he bought. Some of his people helped pitch in and bought it, but it's a place that travels, and it gives women free care. They can walk in. They can get their ultrasounds, and it's Christian, and it's faith-based, and 99% of the women that walk in walk out choosing life. I feel like as a church, we need to have alternatives. We need to have answers. We need to have a place that we can say, women, we are here for you, and we'll walk through you. We don't have all that together. I mean, I'm talking about the church of Jesus and even faith builders. There's areas that I know we need to have better answers for women. I I remember what I was going to tell my team this morning. I forgot. But I'm connecting with a foster care system. Faith builders need to be a part of helping the foster care system. We need to support it financially. We need to show up. We need to host the camps for them and, and tell these kids that they are valuable and Jesus loves you. That's what the church of Jesus Christ needs to be. Amen. But we want to preach the truth of the word so that we can rescue women from being bitter against God, bitter against the church, and understand that actually God is rescuing them from disaster. Because all Satan can do is bring lies. And so in the description of Molech, when you read it in history, it was described as a figure that was like a bull and having human qualities. So a bull has horns and it had human qualities. Now, what I want to show you why this is spiritual, um, if you guys will put up that picture of the satanic church idol that's in their satanic churches, what does that look like to you? Molech. Satan isn't messing around. He is the angel of this earth, and we know he's been defeated, but he's got time on his hands to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And what is standing next to him? Children. What is the devil going after? Children. He hates it. Why? Because God says when you come, you come like childlike faith. Children are pure and they're innocent and they love unconditionally. And the devil wants to destroy life before they can even fulfill their purpose that God has called them to fulfill. Now, I've looked, if you'll take time and you'll go through the satanic website. Satanism used to be like something so far in the distance and spooky and weird, and we kind of made fun of it or whatever. But they're coming right to the forefront. I mean, they're, they're, they just held a satanic, some kind of calm, whatever it's called, right here in Scottsdale, Arizona. And they're planning another one next year, not here, but somewhere else. I'm going to show you one screen from their website. Satanic abortions are protected by religious liberty and laws. What does that mean? They passed a law 
that in accordance with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, first trimester abortions are now exempt from unnecessary regulations. Nobody can tell them what to do for all individuals practicing the Satanic Temple's religious abortion ritual. Women can go into the Satanic Church and abort their babies at the altars of the Satanic Church, and it's a ritual. If this doesn't show the reality of what real abortion came from, why the root of it is, it's satanic and it's devilish. And it used to be way so off it seemed just foreign, but now they're blatant about it. Let's go to the next screen. Abortion access after Roe v. Wade. The satanic temple is the leading beacon of light in the battle for abortion access. The leading beacon of light. What does 2 Corinthians say? The devil comes as the angel of light. And they're declaring, we are the light. We are the answer. And they're coming out bold. And why the church is saying, let's not talk about it. Let's not hurt people's feelings. I cried over this message. I, I cried this morning sharing it with my pastors. Because, yes, I am a pastor and I hurt for women. I hurt that this message may reveal things that, that aren't comfortable for us to talk about. But I also know the healing power of God that can set women free that have been bound by this shame because they didn't have the answer. Because there wasn't churches talking about it 20 years ago, and there's few churches talking about it today. And women will carry that shame their whole life, never knowing that God has set them free. And God has taken those babies from the womb, and he is raising them, and he is loving them, and the families will be reunited one day. Amen? But the devil is coming out strong. He thinks he has full control over the life of God, over the formation of what God has created, and he's the author of lies. Let's look at another screen. And I could go, I could go page by page on their website, but I just picked a few things. After School Satan. These are clubs that are existing in America. So when children have after-school programs or parents have to work, they can put their kids in an after-school club called the after-school Satan, where they teach the philosophy of tyranny, no restraints, you owe no man nothing, everything contrary to the word of God. But it's a cute little devil with a cute little, you know, horns, not the true demonic, destroying this generation, taking them away from the truth of God. Right? We're making the word of God so weak and anemic and making this supernatural so powerful and tantalizing to the world. That's why I believe we're going to have a prophets of, day, prophets of Baal showdown in the kingdom of God. Because the devil's going to move with signs and wonders in the last day and the church better rise up and move with greater ones. And we will. You can go, you can register your kid. It says, it's important that children be given an opportunity to realize that the evangelical materials are now creeping into their lives. It's not on that screen. Evangelical materials. They need to be aware of the evangelical message of Jesus Christ, the Savior that died for their sins to set them free. Let's make sure they don't understand that, but they're going to understand tyranny and rebellion and choosing your own way. Now, if you download the pamphlet, I'm going to show one more screen. If you download the pamphlet of the school, there's a lot of things on there. But it says, why Satan? To call our club any alternatives such as science club or atheist club, which, listen, 10 years ago, that's what they would have done. Satan would have hid. 
which has been suggested by many, but would be disingenuous and akin to hiding. The satanic church says we're not hiding anymore. They're actually declaring we are like the church of evangelicals. They're trying to get a 501c3 today because this is our religious rights and our religious belief. And if the Christian church can have it, so should we. And you know what? As the days get worse, they probably will get it. But they've been strategizing this for 40 years while we've been just playing church, while we've been, been afraid to have hard conversations been intimidated to just tell people the truth and let the word of God challenge them instead of being afraid of what they have to say. Goes on to say, Satan to us is not a supernatural being. Instead, Satan is a literary figure that represents a metaphorical construct of rejecting tyranny over the human mind and spirit. It's just comic relief. It's just another way for your kids to be entertained. Can you see the deception in that? That's why, listen, when Roe v. Wade was turned over, yes, there was a lot of angry people. But behind a lot of that and most of it was a demonic disrest. Because where Satan won in America 50 years ago, he got Molech sacrifices again. He got the children again. And when that was turned over, and God's doing it for a reason, because there's an opening of heaven coming to our nation Revival is coming to this nation, and God is removing the ungodliness of our country. Listen, you cannot move God, remove God from our nation. You cannot remove godly principles from our political offices. And I am not one that teaches right or left, and I've always avoided that because you know, that's just something we've always done. This is not a right and a left season, and you have to awaken to that. You have to realize what is going on. I'm going to skip over to Romans 13, if you'll put that up there for me. You've got to realize and discern the season that we are in. It is a kingdom of hell against a kingdom of heaven. And we have to keep God in America. We have to keep biblical principles in America. If you remove God, you destroy a nation. And it's scriptural. I'll share it at the end. Hopefully, I can get to all of this. But you have to keep, no, there should be a separation. No, there shouldn't. Not when it comes to God. The only thing the devil attacks in, in Hollywood and movies and music is our Christian faith. Why not Buddha? Why not Hinduism? Why not other faiths? Because it's not the power of God. It's not Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. They attacked our Christianity. They attack our speaking in tongues. They attack our being filled with the Holy Spirit. They are attacking the church of Jesus Christ. And what they want to do is shut down the church of Jesus Christ. And if you don't think that's not coming to America, you are not discerning the time that we are living in. The devil is coming after the church, our principles, our promises of the word of God. And that's why we got to know them. Why? Because when you know the truth... It sets you free. And then you can help set your friends free. So let's look at Romans. And do this knowing the time. Now it is high time to awake out of sleep. We have been lulled to sleep, church. My dad, the bishop of this church, had a dream, and I hope he can come in and share it soon. But the sleeping giant was the church. The church, this was, gosh, 30 years ago or more. He had a vision of the church, just a sleeping giant. 
The church has been lulled to sleep by comfort message, make me feel good, how can I be successful, how can I make more money, bless me in, bless me coming out, and is all that true? Yes, but we got to go back to some topics that make us uncomfortable, that make us squirm just a little bit. Why? Because it's the truth of the season that we're living in. Now it is the high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. We are closer to the return of Christ every day that we live. I believe we're living in last times. I don't believe we're in the last day, but we are living in the last times where things are going to grow worse and worse and worse. But if the church will know who they are in the word of God, we will rise and God's grace and mercy will be with us and we will make a, a shout in this nation that the world has never seen before. But we're going to have to stand up, amen? You are closer. Okay, look at verse 12. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. It's time is what God's saying. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Thank you, Jesus. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, no fighting. What's happened the last two years? All we've done is fight. Is why, that's why I've stayed away from it for a while. This isn't about fighting. It's about looking into the spirit. What's happening in the spiritual realm? Put away your drunkenness, not lewdness. Get rid of your lust. It's not a time for strife or envy. Put those things behind us. All those things that would try to divide us, God says it's not time for that anymore. But do what? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. It's time to discern the season that we are living in in the church of Jesus Christ, amen? So if you were to uh, take someone and they're working in a store and they need to learn what a counterfeit is, a counterfeit bill, um, they don't put other counterfeit bills in front of it. So if they want someone to know what the counterfeit looks like, what do they do? They have them study the real bill. And they examine it day after day after day until they know so much what that real book looks like, they can spot the counterfeit. That's what we need to do with Jesus. It's time for us to get in the word of God because the word has created counterfeit belief for the church. It's uh, someone I think Quinn was telling me, it's called perverted compassion. Because we love people, but it's perverted compassion. You've got to look at the truth, look at the truth, look at the truth. So when the deception comes, you'll be like, boy, that's not God. That looks like God. That kind of, that's, a, that's a manifestation of God, but that don't have God on it. And if we don't have that discernment in the end times, we will be destroyed. For our lack of wisdom is what the word says. So we, the world will set up ideas of counterfeit. The world has no value in life. The world don't care about our children. The world is making our, our, our children wonder about their, their gender identity at five years old. Gender blocking as children. Five years old, they're learning how to have, just going to say it, but gay sex and how to do it and how to pleasure it. Five years old. If we don't think something's wrong here, we are so asleep. And it is in our classrooms, people. I see it all over. I can't share it on Facebook, obviously, without... I want the fullness of my heart being shared. But the devil is destroying our children. I have watched video after video of video that you don't see in the, main, the mainstream media of transgenders that have regret. And they've done the whole, whole thing. The devil got them to do, question their whole identity. 
And then they come to the end and go, I'm miserable. This is not what I thought I wanted. But you're not seeing those stories. The church won't talk about love them, grace and mercy. No, I'm not going to love you. I want to push you with hard love to what Jesus says about you so you won't make mistakes that will ruin the rest of your life. And these, these young people, they're young. They're 18, 19, and they made the decisions when they were 11 and 12. Who allows that? That's a godless country. We are living in a godless nation right now. And they're rising more and more with their agenda of destruction, away from everything that God says they want. And the church needs to stand up, amen? I'm not going to get through much of this, but I'm going to get through some more. Thank you, Jesus. So let's look at this quickly. Number one, why? Our our verse says in um, Jeremiah, before I formed you, God forms us, amen? God forms us. Every believer who believes the Bible is true should stand for and fight for the unborn. Why? Because when you look in in Scripture, there's no gray area. There's no gray area. I'll show you Scripture after Scripture of God protects life. So why should we fight for it? Because the Word of God is clear about what it has to say. Amen? Let's look at Genesis 1, verse 26 through 27, pieces of it. Then God said, let us make man in our image. How, how, how are we created? In the image of God. In our likeness. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Can't even go to that last verse today because we have that last part. But I want to talk about God formed man. He created that baby in the image of him. And so when the enemy sees that child of life in you, that's still an identity of God living on the inside of that woman. Birth with purpose and a plan and an identity for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. When we were created, we became God's crown jewel. You are his crown jewel. Amen. Psalms 139, what does it say? Verse 16 through 17. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Your book of the future and future children and grandchildren have already been established in heaven. Why do we fight for life? Because God already saw it. God already foreordained it. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. God created life. I'm going to show you a video here. And this is what scientists have discovered. How many know even? Oh, don't show it yet. Okay, you can show it. It's fine. Okay, yeah, hang on a second. I want that punch, like that moment, you know. But even scientists have discovered the more you look in the discovery of what God says, science can find it. Because God created it, amen? And I love that God shows it. So in this video, go ahead and show it now. You see the sperm fertilizing a woman's egg. When it does, do you see that burst of fireworks? Look at that. The second, the second that sperm hits that egg, there is the life of God in that. Sparks go off. Life happens in the world. Oh, no, that's not really life. That's not really anything. Do you know that science knows its life so much, and they will lie to you, that when they try to reenact it, they do not use a real sperm because they think it's unethical to keep putting a sperm in an egg and create life. Even scientists won't do it. Why? Because it's unethical. Why? Because it's life. And they know it. Thank you, Jesus. They know it. 
And so in that womb, they would say, oh, that's not, no, we can go this far. New York City has gone as far to say, you can give birth to that baby and say, put it on the table and you don't want it. And they can do nothing. A nurse can't rescue it. Nobody can rescue that child. If it's abortion, a botched abortion and that baby lives past it, they have to leave that baby there to finish its course of just dying alone. That's in New York City. That's how much they care less about life and care less about the women, the woman that's going to go through the pain of what she's going to endure because she doesn't understand truth. Because she's found herself back in a corner. And, and I have compassion for that. That's where my mercy takes over. Believe me, I'm the biggest mercy person in the world. But we don't have that freedom to choose life. God chooses life. God takes life. God gives life. And as much as we want that freedom, it's not our freedom to have. Only God can give that life. Amen. When there's that life, God is still forming. Listen, that baby is not just forming once it's out of the womb. Yes, it is. It's forming in infant, you know, teenager, all that. But in every stage of that womb, God is forming that baby. At three weeks, there's a beating heart, and the gender is determined. At six weeks, there's a heartbeat detected. At seven weeks, the baby's hands are moving. Its head's moving back and forth. It interlocks its fingers and kind of chills like this. At eight weeks, the right hand and the left hand is determined if they're going to be right-handed or left-handed. Nine weeks, they're sucking their thumb. At 10 weeks, they're yawning when it's tired. With the creation, man can create a lot of things, but they can't create life. Nothing is compared to creation, what God can do when he creates life. Amen? God gave us value in life. When you saw the uh, New York signing of uh, full-term abortion, it was like I was watching a Bible story unfold. And they cheered and they shouted and they slapped each other on the back because they got the right for a full-term baby to die alone on a table. If that doesn't show you the satanic involvement, the demonic spirit that's in this world, we have to open up our eyes awake. Who could rejoice over a baby being left alone in its final moments, time? And, and think about the laws that we live in. If a, if a woman's pregnant and she gets hit by a drunk driver and that baby dies, it's manslaughter. But if that woman decides to give the baby, that doctor is celebrated and rewarded because there was the right to choose to take that baby's life. Do you see the, the conflict even in, in, in the world today? Number two, God knows you. Give me just a couple minutes. I want to finish this. God knows you. You know, when, when the angel went to Mary, he, she said, you're going to be pregnant with Jesus. He already had a name. He already had a plan. When, when, Mary, showed up, when Mary showed up at a, her cousin Elizabeth's house, she was pregnant with John. John had got it. Or the angel already said, you're going to have a son, and his name is going to, you got to call him John. He already had a name. God already had a plan for John. God already had an agenda for John. He would baptize Jesus, his cousin, in, time, in years to come. And when, when Mary walked into that room, the Bible says that John leaped and was filled with the Holy Spirit in that woman's womb. That baby was filled with the Holy Spirit, purpose and destiny. God knows you. He formed you. 
You are his crown jewel. You're the reflection and the copy of the original. Hallelujah. And we have to understand Jesus died on the cross so that we could know God the way that he knows us. He knew you from the beginning, and he, we, he wants us to know him the way that he knows us. Amen? I'm going to fast forward here. I want to share this with you, and I'm going to close with the scripture. What can we do as the church? There's some things I want to do. But the number one thing we have to get courageous is we have to stand and be counted for the cause of life. We have to stand and be counted that we believe that life was formed from God, the creator. But the way we have to do it, and this is personally as your pastor, I'll share my heart. When Roe v. Wade was turned over, I saw a lot of pastors just, and you probably did too, you know, shouting, abortion is over. And, and they're just screaming and shouting. And, and it is something we should rejoice about. But I was so troubled because there was just this great, yeah. And then there were some churches who said nothing. And then there was our church, we addressed it, which part of my heart was, I didn't want to just address it. I wanted to do what I'm doing right now. And the reason by being, I was so frustrated, I'm like, God, why, why don't I have that unction to just, rah, let's just talk about it. Because I, I feel the pressure. I know there's some saints that want me just to, you, you know, I just know, I know what I feel. And part of me wants to do that. But I believe we're living in a time in the nation that the Lord showed me that there are fivefold ministries. And one of them is the prophet. And we need the prophets. And, and I saw them, like, oh, these preachers that are shouting, they're prophets. And what prophets do is they speak truth in dark places. They call for repentance. They shine light into areas no one else wants to open. They call for repentance. And you know what? The church needs this. We need the prophets to tell us where we're wrong. We need the prophets to tell us what's right in the kingdom of God. And I love that. But the other part the Lord showed me, but we also need the priests. And the priests are minister grace and love. And that's what I am. I'm a priest in the house of the Lord. I have a prophetic voice. I, I can move in the prophetic. But my mantle is a priest. So I'm here today moving in the prophet and the priest's mantle saying, this is wrong, church. And we've got to stand up and we've got to learn our truth to what the word of God says. But with that, God loves you and he's forgiven you. And we're going to forgive the sins of the forefathers, amen. We're going to put into our children, the next generation, that you don't need to choose abortion. You don't need the right to, to kill a baby. Let's teach you who you are in Christ so that you don't bow, you don't give in to that kind of temptation. You know who you are as a woman. Amen. Let's not tell this generation, well, you, you deserve the right to have an abortion. No. Let's give them more satisfaction to say you can choose different. You can walk with God. You can wait for marriage. You can do it the way that God designed it. That's not a hard thing. That's not a hard thing. That's what the Word of God says. When you do it in the design of the Word of God, the next generation can say, I don't need it to be legal because I'm going to wait for God. And even if I make a mistake, there's a church there that will love me back to life. And it's going to be okay when we remove that alternative. We're giving them the hope for the next generation. I have a heart for that. And somehow we're going, to meet, we're going to reach Generation Z for that. So what does the word of God say? Isaiah 117. I'm going to read two scriptures and we're done. Thank you for your patience. And I want to say from my heart, 
thank you for hearing me today. Because I know some things probably troubled you. I know some things you didn't understand. And I really am so thankful that you're hearing this truth. And I just pray that you really take it home and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth. Examine what the word says. That's all that I ask, amen. And let it be your truth inside your heart. But Isaiah 117 says this. I guess I can read it. Learn to do right and do what? Seek justice. What's justice? Justice for the unborn. Justice for those who haven't had an opportunity to live the life God designed for them. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. It's time to have a party, amen. And plead the case for the widows. And we're really good about that. And one last verse, Proverbs 29, 18, says this. Oh, I didn't give it to you. I forgot. Listen to this. A nation without God's guidance is a nation without order. That's why as we go to the polls, if you haven't voted yet, it's not about right and left. We've got to find biblical principles. Because if we just are stubborn and go, well, I'm going to vote all right because that's all God. I'm going to vote all left because that's all God. And we all have truth in that. There are some good things on both sides. We've made them monsters of both. They've made sure of it. As Christians, our responsibility is, what do they believe about the word? Where's the right to life? Where's the value for humanity? Where's the value for our children? Are they going to indoctrinate them with perverted principles in the school? Or am I going to put a Christian person in that, that school system? We better vote the way that God wants us to vote in this hour. The word of God. I took my ballot and I dug and dug and dug every, every, I'm still working on the judges. Why? Because I want to find truth to the word of God, to every candidate. Every candidate. It'd be easy to go, well, I've just voted Democrat, but I've just voted Republican, and I almost, like, yeah, that, no. I'm looking in every proposition. What does it say? What does it inflect our community? How does it affect the church? We have to vote on those principles, amen? So we have to be willing to put aside the arguments and I think stubbornness of both sides and say, God, what do you want for this nation, amen? Why? Because if we don't have God in our nation, we don't have a church. You don't have the freedom of worship. And they'll try to take it away. And you think, well, that's not in America. It's coming for America. It's coming. Amen. We got to fight for the church and fight for the word of God. Amen. I want you just to stay seated this morning. Close your eyes. And I'm going to release a prayer for you today. And I want to tell you, I'm here for you. And if this message, women, provoked you and hurt you and it troubled you, come see me. Because I want to sit down with you. I want I will have a conversation. I want to pray with you. Maybe you've had an abortion and you're hurting and ashamed. Maybe you know someone. My office is open and I will meet with every one of them because that's my heart for restoration. Amen. Oh, go ahead and look at me really quick. I know. I know. I'm sorry. One more minute. Because you can't open up this can of worms. It's not like I can just go back and visit it again, right, this deep. But also, I had a friend who was a pastor for 40 years. And he helped assist a young girl 40 years ago to help get an abortion. She was backed in a corner. She didn't know what to do. That happens. It's hard. And he assisted in it, helped pay for it. He, he personally was carrying the shame 
of helping because he felt he partook in it. Pastor, 40 years, still carrying shame. Another pastor prayed with them and was able to just release that shame and that fear. I personally got to pray with the lady carrying the shame of assisting in abortion. Because when you come into Christ, you find truth, right? We don't know when we're in the world. We don't even know when we're Christians. Nobody tells us the full truth. So God wants to get that off of us so that we can be free. And then your freedom will minister to another lady. God, I'm telling you, God will have women cross your path that had an abortion. You'll be like, you know what? Me too. Let's not be ashamed of this thing. I'm going to pray for you, and God's going to set you free. Because anything with the light on it can't have shame on it anymore, amen? Can't have shame on it. You can walk in freedom. And let that be your voice. Let that be your story of victory to, to your life instead of hiding it under a bushel. So let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this message. Lord, I shared it to the best of my ability opening up your word and just letting your word speak truth in life. And I thank you, God, that it falls into good soil of our hearts, that, Lord, we will be a church to the sanctity of life and the sanctity of your word, Father God, that we will not just bow our knee to the deception and counterfeit of the world, but we will find what your word has to say in all situations. And God, I thank you and I love you. And I want to give everyone the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life today I just want you to say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. Set me free. Heal me. Restore me so that I can walk in the fullness of your word. In Jesus' name. And so, Father, I pray right now over any woman in this room that carries that shame. And, Lord, we just bind it off of them in the name of Jesus. God, I decree that they will not walk out of here ashamed and condemned by the word of God. I break that off of their hearts right now in Jesus' name, that they will walk free, they will walk in joy, they will walk in full restoration. We command the devil to loose their hearts, loose their minds. They are free today in the name of Jesus. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and there is liberty. And they will not walk carrying that shame from this minute forward in the name of Jesus Christ they are set free and we release grace 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 over our hearts in the precious name of Jesus we pray amen and amen